Welcome to Probably Bothered, the podcast that cuts through online business myths so that you can redefine your version of success. Because I believe if you aren't a little bit bothered, you probably aren't paying attention. Are you curious about everything Instagram? Me too. I totally feel you. That is why I brought Erin May Henry on the podcast today. No one has taught me more about showing up authentically, no matter how you feel about that word, because we both hate it, but that's for another day, but showing up exactly as I am for my audience and confidently presenting myself to the world. Erin and I talk about so many things on this episode, from how much people love the monotony of everyday life and just watching everyday life on social media, but also how to create case studies and observe and learn from people who are having success and also why predictions on social media don't matter. So I'm just going to let the episode speak for itself. Let's get started. I'm super excited. Because I'm sitting here with the one and only Erin May Henry. And I feel like everybody says the one and only when they introduce a podcast guest. But in this case, I feel like it actually applies. So Erin, I'm so excited to have you on Probably Bothered today. Oh my gosh. Stop making me blush. Like, <laughs> you are too sweet. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm honest. And I, I I know everyone says this as well. They're like, I'm so excited for today's podcast. But I literally am so excited for today's podcast. I was actually thinking about this all weekend and I was like, I cannot wait. We're both recording this podcast and then one on mine. I was like, oh, I just can't wait for these chats. They are going to be so incredibly profound to everyone. Buckle up your seatbelts because this is going to get lit. <laughs> It seriously will. And that was a little plug, but we'll keep talking about this throughout the rest of the episode. But we're having back-to-back podcast episodes, so one on mine and then one on Erin's. So if you want to hear the rest of this conversation, we'll tell you again and we'll link in the show notes how to get to her episode. But we're super excited to kind of do a back and forth here. It's going to be fun. I am so excited. So before we jump into anything, if you want to do a little introduction about you and kind of how you got into this online business space, I'd love to hear about that. For sure, for sure. Hi, everyone. <laughs> My name's Erin, <laughs> and I'm an entrepreneur. No. Um, basically, okay, how did I get into this? This has been mm-hmm. such a long journey. It's almost like it's almost like I feel like it changes as time goes on. But the footnotes version was, I was essentially studying business and marketing at university, had basically no direction of like what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. I started studying because I was going to be Samantha Jones and do like, you know, (laughs) planning and public relations and all of these things. Very much halfway through my degree, I realized that that's, it didn't actually look as glamorous as it did in Sex and the City. So I was like, what do I do now? But I did start coming across the idea of entrepreneurship and like online business and all of this stuff. Um, and then one day when we had to go to this like compulsory, I don't know, compulsory day of speakers, it was just like an introduction into the world of marketing and jobs after university. There was this one particular speaker and he was really profound. I was really bored the whole day, but this one captivating speaker said just one line, which for me has stuck with me for the rest of my 
journey. And that was, if you do want to get into this online space, like if you want to build a business online, build a brand online, build a personal brand online, the first thing, the very first thing that you need to be doing is building an audience. And I took that so incredibly, like so literally to the point where the next day I started my YouTube channel. I was like, I don't even care. I don't know what it's going to be about. I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to sit in front of my laptop and I'm going to talk to it and I'm going to upload it to the internet. And that was like back in 2014, I think. And since then, it's honestly just been one of those like slow but evolving journeys that have just been of discovery and iteration and kind of just like, making it up as I go along, to be honest. So the first couple of years was literally just building an audience. I was doing like health and fitness content. And then in 2017 was when I decided to start the business that I have now, which was very much based around like business coaching and helping people to build a brand. And even that still in the last three years, four years, 10 years, I don't know, with COVID, it's like, you know, it's probably been 10 years since 2017, but I think it's actually four. In the last four years, I think it's just been a process of getting to know myself, discovering myself more. You know, you and I did a uh, live on Instagram where we spoke about non-monetary business goals and all of those things. And it's just kind of following that flow, following that intuition. But really what I do today is ultimately helping people to build an audience, build a band and build an online business in the chillest way possible. My brand is called Chillpreneur. So it's all about just being yourself, you know, being, and Becca and I both don't like this word, but being hashtag authentic and just like allowing yourself to kind of like step outside of the common demands of like the, the coaching industry or the business industry and just build a business that feels truly hashtag authentic to you, you know, and your life and the goals and the missions that you have for yourself. So that's me in a nutshell. So I love that you talk about the iteration of how you started your business and the change over time, because that's one of the things that I have noticed is that there seems to be this refrain that you have to stay consistent in your business, which leads people to think, I can't change my mind or change my actions. And that's the thing that I've noticed about you is your ability to think of something, take action and just go all in and see how it pans out. Yeah. So yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about your mindset around that? See, the thing is, that's not exclusive to business. That literally is my mindset for everything in life. And I don't, I can't say necessarily that it's a skill that I've intentionally cultivated. I think it's very much a part of my personality and it's very much a part of just how I was raised. I think where it comes from is that as a child, my mom let me quit everything. You know how there's like a lot of pressure as a child sometimes to like, if you're going to do an instrument or play a sport, like you have to stick with it until you get good. My mom let me try and quit everything. Like I played every single sport you can think of. Some of them for a long time. Like I played basketball for like 15 years. And then there's other sports where it was like one season. I'm like, ah, I'm out. I hate this. So I think I have this natural tendency to be like, dive into things and whether they work out or not like I'll figure that out later on a lot of the time it doesn't work out but a lot of the time it does so I think that trying to as much as you possibly can cultivate a mindset of like if it doesn't work out if I quit or if I fail it's not the end of the world so many people they don't take action in business or they won't pursue say a particular niche or a branding style or a product or a content style because like you said they don't want to quit that thing or they don't want to fail at that thing but there's nothing wrong with that and I'm not trying to be cliche here and be like failure is a part of the journey it's not really about that yeah it's a part of the journey for sure but I think 
having that mindset of like, I'm just going to throw stuff out there and then kind of see what I like and what sticks is the thing that will actually get to your goals faster than sitting around for 10 years trying to find the perfect strategy in your mindset. It's all about experimentation. It's all about taking action. And like you said, iteration as you go along. But for me in particular, it's just, I am not saying that I don't care about judgment or anything like that. I think we all do to a certain degree. The thing I definitely don't care about is being judged on not following through with things. Like I have so many times said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Never done it. And like, that doesn't bother me whatsoever. It doesn't bother me that I say that I'm going to do something, do it for a little bit and then stop it. Like that to me is just like, I'm just trying things out. I'm just taking action as fast as I possibly can. And then figuring out the rest as I go along. I love that. I feel like we're very similar in that earlier today. I asked my husband what it's like to be married with me, married to me. Married. (laughs) LOL. (laughs) We're married with me. Um, Because I was sitting in the car looking up how to figure out how to get a commercial lease because I thought, wouldn't it be fun to start a coffee shop? Yes, it would be. I actually slightly learned to make like a grinder coffee this morning. Um, Uh Yeah, it's, it's fun. It really is fun. It's like a whole process. I feel like getting into that kind of like coffee connoisseur thing, that would just be there's so much to learn and explore. Exactly. And that's the fun of it for me as well Is like, even if you're not going to do it, like I really don't have an intention of actually starting a coffee shop, but I want to know what it would be like. And I want to know the steps to take to get there. And then I've like checked off the box mentally, I guess. Yeah. So sometimes it's just about learning the new thing. And honestly, isn't that just like the spice of life? You know, you say before a lot of people are so one track minded in that, especially in business, they're like, if I start a business, I have to choose this niche. And this is the only thing that I'm allowed to speak about because there is a lot of content out there that kind of scare people into that mentality. They think that, you know, a lot of the content that's like, only talk about your niche on your Instagram or only, you know, make sure that the product you're developing, you're going to stick with that product for the next 10 years or only have one product. There is so much stuff out there that is very, 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 uh, I don't know, pseudosciencey. I know that's not necessarily the term, but it's just very um, experiential in that that person had a good experience with that strategy and therefore they're trying to then sell that strategy to other people, not realizing that there is so many other ways to do business. And so when it comes to this whole conversation, even about a niche or a content strategy, this is something that you and I talk about a lot, like being open to experiencing different things, being open to trying things. You know, if you do want to, quote unquote, start a coffee shop or what I mean by that, launch a different product or talk about a different thing, just try it. Like you don't know if it's going to work. No coach knows if it's going to work. We even have a conversation about this in our hype crew, our mastermind creator collective about I really don't appreciate in the coaching space or in any space, really, when I see coaches being so definitive in telling people that something isn't going to work. You know, I've seen coaches say, no, don't do that type of content or don't launch that product because it probably won't work. I had an experience with a coach who told me that, no, people don't want to build a personal brand in the coaching space. They just want to make sales. That was a long time ago. Obviously, now every coach is building a personal brand, but um you know, for a coach or for anyone to come out and say, like, with, you know, such certainty that something's not going to work, it blows my mind. Because if we think about it, like, someone somewhere had to one day hold a camera in front of their face and start talking to it about their life. 
You know what I mean? And now that's what we are so accustomed to as vlogging. Someone somewhere had to do a six second comedy clip. And that's what was Vine and now became like TikTok and Reels. Like someone had to try something new that people hadn't done before or that wasn't really a thing in the space. And it worked and it caught on. So for then coaches or mentors or leaders to come out and say, no, that thing's not going to work. Like, how do you know? How do you know it's not going to be the next vlogging or the next Vine slash Reels slash TikTok? You know, so back to what we were saying, experiment with things, try things. Only you know if it's going to work for you and only time will tell, really. You mentioned that we are in this hype crew and we're learning a lot about what resonates with people online. And you mentioned this idea of building an audience being really key to your success and something that you work on with your clients too. So what would you say to somebody who thinks, well, there's so many people who have already done that and it's probably too late for me to start. How do you handle that conversation? This is a question that I honestly, I despise, but I also love to answer as well because Think about it like this, like what other industry has, has it ever been a thing to turn around and say, oh, there's so many people doing this thing and therefore I can't, you know what I mean? Like it's just because the internet is so small and I know that's such a weird thing to say, but it's like, we are so exposed to what everybody else is doing on the internet that it seems like such a small place when as a matter of fact, it's not, you know, nobody goes through high school and then into university being like, oh my God, there's so many lawyers out there. I'm not going to become a lawyer or there's so many chefs out there. I'm not going to become a chef. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's more chefs than there are content creators or online entrepreneurs, but still, because we're so exposed to what everybody else is doing on the internet, then there's this whole concept that there is it's oversaturated or there's just too many people doing this thing. When in reality, the way that the internet is moving, we are moving towards like more niche communities and more, again, authentic creator styles to the point where not only that, but the surge of the amount of people that are going to come into the online space in the next, like, let's say five to 10 years, there is still so much opportunity. And this is what I always say. This is something that we always discuss in Hype Crew. If there is an example of something, then the limiting belief or the person teaching the opposite to that is not true. So the reality is that there are still so many creators that have come into the online space in 2021 and built a huge audience. So does that mean that every single person that starts creating from here can't build an audience and can't build a business? No, because there's examples of people doing it. Some people do it fast, some people do it slow, but either way, people are still doing it each and every single day. I literally saw a reel before we started recording this of a guy that's like, I built my audience to 700,000 this year just by posting reels every day. Again, probably a, you know, you know, a, an extreme example. That's not going to happen to every single person that posts reels every single day, but it shows that there's still opportunity for growth. So these collective limitations that we have, that it's too late or that it's oversaturated. If other people are proving that wrong, then we know that it's not true. And at the end of the day, all you've got to do is try, you know what I mean? How do you know that it's not going to work for you? How do you know that you might not be the person that grows 700,000 followers in a year or grows 5,000 followers in a year, but is still able to monetize that and then leave your job and then, you know, upgrade your life in the way that you want to, but don't buy into the idea that there is an opportunity to grow an audience online because the internet baby is not going anywhere and it's only getting faster and bigger and stronger. You know, and I know that I asked the question and I knew that you were going to say that you hate the question and kind of knew how you were going to answer it as well. Um, but 
I think the the other piece of this is that the underlying question when someone says, is it too late for me? Is, is anybody going to be interested in me and what I have to say? And I know yeah. that confidence and figuring out like what makes you as a person or each of your clients as people individually unique is a big mm-hmm. part of your process. So how do you go about teaching something that is so intangible? And that again is something that is a very simple answer in the like, you've made that decision yourself without any proof. Like people do that all the time. People stop themselves from taking action in so many different things because they've literally made a decision that this is how something's going to, they've predicted the future for themselves. I didn't know humans could predict the future. That's a very, very good skill to have. And if you can do that, you should definitely monetize that in some kind of way. I know I'm being sarcastic, but what I'm trying to say is people, again, are they're so definitive. They're like, I've literally made the decision in my mind that I can't build an audience online because I'm not interesting enough and nobody's going to follow me. How do you know? How do you know that? You've just made that decision based on your own limitations. The only thing you can do is try. Look, I'm not going to be all peachy keen and, you know, everyone can do this because the reality is not everyone can. Like not everyone can. Not everyone has the sustainability. Not everyone has the joy for this type of thing. I think a lot of people get caught up in this online space and they desire these end results of like making all the money or having all of the opportunity or working for themselves or having the freedom. Some people do not have what it takes to be a content creator slash an entertainer slash an online entrepreneur. And that's okay. It's not a bad thing if it just doesn't work out for you. But how do you know if you don't try? There's no, again, there's no leader, mentor, or teacher out there that can look at someone and predict whether they are going to be successful or not, nor can you do it for yourself. The only thing you can do is start showing up online each and every single day, seeing if you even enjoy the process, because it's not about the end result. It is about the process, seeing if you actually even enjoy the process. And if you do, and it is something that totally sets your soul on fire, totally lights you up, totally motivates you to wake up every single day and take action in that particular area, then you just got to keep doing it until it works. For some people, yes, they do see success quite quickly. And for others, it's not so much. Like, I think a lot of people maybe look at me now and the success that I have with my business and think, oh, wow, like you grow so quickly. Like sometimes on Instagram, yeah, I do grow quickly. But the reality is this has been going on eight years now. I have very slow growth, like compared to a lot of other people. But I got to where I wanted to go eventually. I mean, there's absolutely still further to go, but getting to this point was just showing up each and every single day, especially even in those first two years where basically nobody was watching my content. And so it's again, going back to, it's not necessarily about whether you achieve something or get that quick validation or, you know, stick with the milestones of the internet, the 10K followers, 10K months and all of these things, but it's about, do you enjoy this enough that you're going to stick with it until it actually works? And the irony of this conversation too is when, and we've looked at, you know, a variety of different types of content creators in Hype Crew. And yeah. one of the conversations we have often is sometimes the people we enjoy watching the most are people mm-hmm. that just show the monotony of everyday life. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting mm-hmm. to see a normal person living a normal life. And yeah. people forget that. Yeah. So let's break down this because I think this would be a really interesting conversation to have with your audience because this is something you and I have actually discussed in length. And Mm -hmm. 
I think the thing is as well, when it comes to you as a content creator, if what your goal is, is to build an audience, as I have kind of assessed and analyzed a lot over the last couple of years, because I do a lot of assessing when I'm watching content, like my mind cannot just enjoy things. It's like constantly (laughs) assessing what's working. Why is this person popular? Why have they got a big audience? Why are they getting so much hate? Like I'm always asking these questions to myself and something that I've recognized, which I've shared with Becca a lot and a hyper and pretty much in every other program that I've ever created is that when it comes to being a creator, one of the most important things these days specifically, especially post pandemic is a really nice balance between aspiration and relatability and the monotony and the day-to-day life and the just you being you and living as you do and then documenting that there's so much connection that can be built in that however as an entrepreneur as an online quote-unquote expert or someone who is going to monetize a particular skill there also needs to be a level of aspiration there also needs to be something that people can look up to or be motivated by or be inspired by or entertained by maybe your niche is comedy you know it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have like a a yacht on the south of France, but maybe you have a particular skill. Maybe you're really good at baking. Maybe you're really good at whatever. Like there's got to be a reason for people to follow you in the first place. And that's a progressional reason. They want to progress towards something that you have that they don't. Like there needs to be almost like a gap there. But then on the other side of that, it can't be too much of a gap that they're like, this is unattainable. There has to be those elements of relatability. Now, I started watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians for the first time ever <laughs> the other day. Like, I have never watched an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians in my life. Mind you, it's been around for how many years? 10, 15? But anyway, oh I started gosh. watching this final season the other day. Pure, look, guys, just listen. Purely from a research standpoint. <coughs> also, I was bored. Um, but anyway. Uh-huh. I, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, okay, I started watching it because I really do I, I do ask my question it's helped the question about the Kardashians a lot like why are they where they want to be and even in this final season so I started watching the final season I was like yeah it's the way that it is in terms of this 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 mix between relatability and aspiration is almost like the setting or the backdrop or the undertone of the story is the aspiration but the the focus or the subject of what is actually happening is the relatability and another person that we look at a lot is Emma Chamberlain or I look at a lot anyway I I kind of used her as one of the examples in my program Influencer Vibes but Emma Chamberlain you know a very relatable young early 20 year old who does you know the normal day-to-day life stuff like painting her nails, cutting her own hair, baking, talking about her anxiety and all of these things. But the backdrop of it is obviously she's this very successful YouTuber. She's got this big house and all of these, you know, cool YouTuber friends and all of this stuff. And so for someone who's of that age and aspires for that kind of lifestyle, it's like, whoa, Emma's just like me, but, um, you know, she obviously has all of these things. Maybe I could have that as well because she's just like me. And that's when it comes to being a content creator, uh, another example of this, and this is a show where I will hands down admittedly say that I like, is Selling Sunset. And we had a conversation about this oh, as well. And I love how, that show. <laughs> I love that show. But, you know, the, the backdrop of that show is these gorgeous houses, these, you know, wealthy, successful women. But what's actually happening right in front of our eyes is cattiness and, you know, women of even a certain age fighting over men or a guy or something like that these very like relatable things that are happening and so when it comes to being a content creator again even going back to that conversation that we had before this one track focus of just talk about your niche or just talk about this 
the day of that is dead. Like, to be honest, I'm going to call it like, if you're just talking about one thing, people are going to get bored really, really quickly because our attention span is too short. And it's so hard to differentiate now because that's the only part of like, is the space too saturated? Yeah, niches in and of themselves are too saturated. The internet at large is not saturated, right? And the way to differentiate yourself is by bringing in these more personal elements, by bringing in these, uh, you know, as you said, like the monotony of day-to-day life, but then being able to find that balance between how can people connect with me and have that she's just like me feeling or he's just like me feeling or they're just like me feeling, but also they have something I want and therefore they are just like me, but I'm going to watch them so I can aspire to have that thing as well. Everything that you just mentioned, you have learned through observation, you said, but you also, in each of the programs that I have taken, is taken yeah. the right word? Yeah. 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 Of yours. <laughs> um, you, you have this idea of case studies and mm-hmm. it's something that made me really resonate with you and your teaching style. Because when I was in business school, we learned 100% of everything by case, case study. Yeah. So how do you if someone wanted to start sensing these trends and, you know, figuring out for themselves what works and what doesn't, how do you approach creating case studies on your own? It's honestly just developing a mind of curiosity. Like that's all it is. Like I think there's, it's easy for me to sit here and be like, set up a folder in your notes app. And (laughs) these are the questions that you should be asking, but it's not even that. Like it literally just is about asking questions. It's about developing a mindset of curiosity. It's about questioning everything I don't know who said it there's like literally a quote by someone I don't know maybe some inventor or something and it's just like question everything that's what developing a mindset that's able to go into any particular area of life and learn from it is like I I don't just do this in the online space I do it with everything like whether it's you know riding my motorbike like why did I fall well I'm going to question it I'm like what did I do wrong um you know what I mean it's just it's it's literally about questioning everything and so when I'm consuming content Every piece of content that I consume becomes a case study for me for the most part, especially when I go deeper. Like here's, here's probably the one question that I start with. Why does this work? You know what I mean? That's probably the question for me that allows me to go on a bit more of a tangent or, or have a more in-depth case study on a particular creator or a particular business, if you will. If I see something that is working, like Emma Chamberlain, obviously I've case studied her a lot because to me it's like she's literally a girl who's 21 years old 20 years old maybe laying in her bed why does she have 10 million subscribers and get 2 million views every single video you know what I mean like why is that happening and so I follow that I then follow this why is this successful initial question and then I ask like why are people engaging with it what about it do I like what about it do other people like what what do people don't like what are the things that I see her doing regularly like it's just starting with that question of why something is working and then starting to ask following questions beyond that to get to the crux of essentially why something is successful. And it is very subjective, you know what I mean? Like obviously there's no perfect formula for studying online creation. I am 100% basing this on my own measures of success and what I know to be true. And again, this may be something that you develop over time, but I then start to see patterns and trends. So, okay, this this kind of thing is working for Emma Chamberlain, but hey, it's also working for Alex Cooper on Call of Daddy. It's also working for, you know, this creator over here who's who's got a smaller audience, but a kind of using utilizing those same formats. And so when you start to then see trends, that's when you come up for like, okay, this is a measure of success. So 
it's really just asking questions. It's being curious. It's starting with an initial trigger question, if you will. And for me, that's why is this working? And then beyond there, going in and studying further down. And then if you do want the practical side of it, yeah, just set up a notes app on your phone <laughs> and just write a shit ton of notes. If you have a journal, I, I do everything on my notes app. Like I, I, you know, the first case study I ever did was on Kayla Itzinas. That I don't know if everyone remembers her or such knows her. I do. Um, yeah. So she uh, is an Australian fitness influencer who built a very, very, very successful business. And like, that was who I started basing my content on back when I very first started in 2014. But anyway, she, you know, I asked myself back then, I was like, why is she so successful? Like, why is she so successful? And honestly, like that was where the springboard for this whole uh, balance of aspiration and um, relatability came from because the perfect example of a singular post or a singular example of relatability and aspiration is a transformational picture. So mm-hmm. you think relatability, the before, aspiration, the after, right? And what Kayla Itzinas did, why her account grew so big was it was just flooded with transformation pictures that not only then capitalizes on social proof and all of these other aspects that people would generally, you know, trust a brand because of um but for the most part her account at the beginning was very much based around community and all these things that we resonate with on a deeper level but it was that beautiful balance for people between relatability and aspiration because everything was just this is where i'm now and this is where i could be if i you know follow this brand it's so funny that you bring up kayla at Zenus because i i was 100 percent a bikini body guide girl like yeah, I, I was yeah. all in. <laughs> I all remember in that years ago. Body guy. Oh yeah, my page started as a fitness page, and it has changed multiple times since. But I love, I love, and hey, like we were talking about before, like both of us have started. I started the same thing. Like I was Erin made fitness back in the day. You know what I mean? Like I literally used to do all this kind of fitness stuff. I started with like the bikini body guide classic. That was it. Was like yeah, it was around that time, like 2014. The bikini body guide. It was like. That actually launched so many people's careers. You know what I mean? Like there's so many people that kind of capitalized on that BBG community and have then gone off and done incredible things. So like, I know there's all these issues with Kayla. I mean, anyone that gets that big, people are going to have something to say about them, right? But the reality is like she did a lot in the online space. She not only helped people obviously get on their fitness journey and all of that kind of stuff, but she really was one of those I kind of like initial pioneers in these like concept of micro influences, I guess, because she just helped so many people grow. Like that brand didn't just launch people's success in their own health journey, but it actually helped people to create an online space and an online community. And I don't know, I, I love, there's so many notes that I've got on this whole thing. I love the whole concept of that. And again, yeah, there's some issues as well, but at the end of the day, like I really, really, really like what she's done another brand that i used to study in the beginning maybe not a lot of the international audience know this but have you ever heard of the brand shopo no um so shopo is like an australian like what's like h&m kind of like that whole okay. con- not not h&m sorry uh asos kind of like that like just an online like clothing company um mm-hmm. who grew massive and quite fast as well um and again it was so much about this whole relatability concept like their content strategy wasn't like here is a bunch of clothes you know what I mean like even though they're an online fashion store their whole content strategy in the beginning was like memes 
that's all they posted on their page in the beginning and it was like all memes about like not having any money but like choosing to party instead of eat food like very relatable slash like you know late teen to mid 20 kind of stuff when it's all because they a lot of their clothes were like party dresses and going out dresses and stuff like that um but it is like again connecting with an audience is really just about understanding who they are, understanding what their psychology is. Like so many people, when they come into this online space, they're like, what are the demographics of your audience? Nobody cares about that anymore. Like demographics are becoming less and less important in our society, let alone in the online space. Um, But I think one of the most important things to understand really is those kind of like psychographics, the behaviors, the thought patterns, the, you know, um, fears, the goals, the limitations of the people that we're trying to communicate with, because when we understand these things, that's when we can connect on that super relatable level. The thing that I was wondering, as you were speaking about, you know, using case studies and the the patterns that you've seen over time is obviously it helps looking backward and looking at brands and what they've done and how they've gotten to where they are. But do you use that same strategy to look forward? And where do you think this space of online influence and online community is moving toward see this is the weird thing like I see a lot of people doing this it's not a strategy that I've necessarily adopted myself because I don't personally believe that social media predictions are as easy as people think that they are like and if they are it's a very uh near future you know so I I see people all the time at the time we're recording this it's obviously the end of the year I see people being like trends for 2022 or or social media trends for the new year and I'm like honestly Instagram could come out in February and be like right now we're a solely live platform you know what I mean like all these people are spending a lot of time trying to take what they've assessed or analyzed and make predictions for me it's just about learning what's currently working and then acting from there and not necessarily making suggestions for people of this is going to work in the in the future this is going to work six months from now but it's like this is what I know to be true is working now so let's test it let's see if it works for you and one day it may not work and then we have to still continue to see what's going on in the in the space now and again take action from this space trying to think too far into the future in something that moves as fast and as aggressively as the internet, I think for me personally, other people may may not agree with this, but for me personally, it seems like a bit of a waste of time. I want to understand what's working now. I want to use that now. And then I just want to keep myself up to date with those changes as, as they go live, if you will, or as they start to progress. But trying to spend a lot of time predicting into the future for me doesn't seem like the most productive thing to do. Do you have the same opinion across the board because you know for instance Pinterest comes out every year with their predictions and they have pages and pages of pages of what you should be posting yeah. now and when you should be posting and you know how they think yeah. it will perform and examples of what you can do etc yeah. um, so obviously that is in itself a quite a different type of a platform than an Instagram or a TikTok and yeah do you do you think that that strategy applies everywhere or is it purely just for instance yeah here's the thing like I think Pinterest in and of itself is a much slower moving platform I mean the Pinterest that we use today is pretty much other than the additional feature of now stories and videos which happened Mm -hmm. this year but Pinterest that we use now is the same Pinterest that we used in 2013 you know what I mean like Pinterest is a much slower moving platform so a lot of their predictions are based on what's worked for the last 10 years 
Um, but I don't necessarily think, I think it is across the board because again, what I said in the beginning is so true. Like who knows that some creator's not going to come out with something that we can't even comprehend yet. And it's just going to completely, completely revolutionize the, the space. You know what I mean? Like the social media space. And so then we're all going to have to adapt to that particular thing as quickly as we possibly can. So yeah, it's good to understand what's working, what the platforms themselves are predicting is going to work. But then even still, like even still, that is not going to apply to every single person. It's not going to apply to every single person, every single niche, every single audience, you know, um, like everyone in 2021 was saying that Instagram is becoming more of a video platform. It's becoming more um, like less aesthetic and more uh, just raw and real, I guess, going down that TikTok route, which I think is true to a certain degree. But there are still people like there's all these like Russian fashion vloggers whose pages are still very much all about the aesthetic, all about the fashion images, all about the static pictures and are still growing. You know what I mean? So even those were the 100% definitive predictions that everyone said this year, that the feed doesn't matter, the aesthetic doesn't matter. And yet there are still accounts today, starting from scratch, growing, focusing on aesthetics. You know what I mean? So this is, this is what I'm trying to say when these predictions, yeah, they're helpful and they're good things for us to test and try and see if they work for us. But if they don't, and there's still examples of the opposite, then that prediction was just a suggestion not a perfect formula. You know, I have a lifestyle blogger that I love to follow. Mm -hmm. And she, for the longest time, had the very, very, very aesthetic feed. Yeah. And now I looked at her bio, I think just yesterday, and she basically said the action is in the stories. And she's yeah. essentially given up on her feed. And, yeah. I mean, when she posts pictures, they're still, you know, great lighting and they're good pictures yeah. um, but they're not necessarily like the matching uh filter and all of that stuff it's it's 100 just her stories is where her focus is yeah and honestly that's like a perfect example of yeah there are suggestions the main suggestion of 2021 was like reels was going to be the thing i still see accounts growing that don't have any reels on their pages so what i'm saying is there is a common success formula that will work if you apply yourself to it, consistency over time, all that stuff, right? But if there are examples of the opposite, then it doesn't mean it's not definitive is what I'm trying to say. It's not the only yeah. way that you can do something. And like, here's the thing, like for me, for example, yeah, I love making reels. You know, I love making reels. Mm -hmm. Every single real advice reel that I see, that's so meta, but every single reel that tells you how to make reels, always says that you've got to have a hook and a transition always got to have a transition i've done literally one transition on my page and it sucked because i left it too long and the lighting completely changed and i couldn't get my phone back in the same spot and i couldn't align it and it was just so bad i mean the reel actually performed pretty well but like some of my most popular reels like one that's got like over a million views is literally me dancing with a piece of advice above my head no transition no hook no nothing you know what I mean? So then it's like all of these people, like if you want to succeed on reels, you have to have a hook, you have to have a transition, you have to have a trending sound. And yet, yeah, maybe I used a trending sound, but some of my most popular reels don't do that. So again, these are good pieces of advice to try. If they work for you, that's great. If they don't, they are just a suggestion if there is an opposite example or if there is a contradicting example.
I have really enjoyed learning everything from you in in Hype Crew and on this um, podcast episode and this conversation about audience building and kind of how you approach really studying the space of social media. So I wanted to check in and see, you know, what can my audience expect from you over the next year? Is there anything that you want to share with them that you're working on? Honestly, it's just sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into doing whatever the heck you want on the internet. And I know that sounds weird, but I really don't necessarily pursue all of these different things that a lot of people in the coaching space do, like making the most amount of money or anything like that. Like all I want to do is represent that you can have fun. Things can be simple. We don't always have to focus on you. And I had a conversation again on the Instagram live that all it's all about like the monetary goals, monetary goals. Like I just want to see more people being raw. I want to see more people being real. I want to see more people building a platform. My number one mission is for women to have a platform because I think when people have platforms, that's when change is initiated because they have influence, right? And if then more good people with positive opinions on on how we can change the world, have an actual platform, have an actual audience. I think that's how change can be communicated more effectively. And so for me, it's just about like, this is the way that I have done it for myself. And I just want to teach other people to do that as well. I mean, it took me a long time to get here to be hashtag authentic, but I've done it now. I know that it works. I know how good it feels. And I know the positive change that it can make in other people's lives. And so just continuing to teach people how to do the same and giving them permission to do it is is what you're going to see. Yeah. And I know if people are curious about learning these skills from you, I think you have another round of influencer vibes coming yeah. up. January, January. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so, I want it to be now. I'm so excited. Well, people are enrolling now. So if you want to jump in, you can, but we go live in January. And I was a member of that group when you rolled it out for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. were literally was... the first enrollment into that program, by the way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just if you guys are curious about whether what Aaron is saying actually works, this is my story. I found Aaron on a reel on Instagram and automatically went to her page, pressed follow, looked at like two other posts, and then I DM'd her and said, which of your programs can I buy? Yeah, Because yeah. like it, it was so magnetic and you could just feel the energy. And I knew that I just like had to be a part of whatever she was teaching. And so she basically ended up telling me, well, I have this new thing, but I don't have money details. And I was like, send me the page. I'll pay. <laughs> she literally was. And then also you were such an integral part of that because I was like, by the way, I'm still developing this program. I really, I've got this idea. I've got this concept, but I'm like in the, re again, in the case study, the research development phase. <laughs> and I made Becca even get on the case study bandwagon. I'm like, can you please spread me a, send me a spreadsheet <laughs> of all the things that you're like learning based on these concepts that I'm going to teach. And you've been there the whole entire journey. And then from that, we built Hype Crew, which is like an iteration of that particular program. I mean, the program is a prerequisite to coming into a smaller space where we do a lot of assessment collaborations and all of these different things. And you've been there the whole journey. And I just want to say that I love you. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> well, this has been such a pleasure. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And if you want to share where people can find you on the gram, and I'll make sure yeah. that, you know, I link it all below as well. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, it's just at Erin May Henry. Instagram is definitely the place to come follow me. Like I... I'm obsessed with that platform and I do hang out there 
every single day, making reels, making <laughs> stories, doing all the things. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, Becca. I absolutely love that conversation, and I hope you did too. I wanted to bring Erin on the podcast because A, her thoughts around social media and the way that she approaches it has just brought so much levity to me and my daily life as I uh, promote my own business and talk to you all about this podcast. But it also translates into the rest of her business and the rest of her approach too. And she really takes a no BS, no fluff approach to everything that she does. She's all about making business simple and chill. That is why she calls her brand Chillpreneur. We hinted at this a couple of times on the episode, but we are having a different conversation, but a continuation nonetheless on her podcast. So I will put the link down below, hop over there and uh, go and listen to to part two. Other than that, Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode. Please share it with a friend if it resonated with you. And if you wanted to have a little bonus and leave a review or subscribe, I would appreciate you so much. Until next week, this has been Probably Bothered.